Hi, my name is Crystal Trejo-Green. I'm a graduate of the Oxford Said Business School and of Harvard College. After getting my MBA in England, I worked as a global operations manager at Qualtrics. I transitioned from full-time work about a year ago to spend more time with my two young children. I now work as an independent consultant covering data and operations strategy, and I serve on several boards. I first came into contact with the Latter-day Saint MBA Society when my husband and I attended the 2017 conference at Chicago Booth. We listened to successful business leaders talk candidly about how their religious beliefs helped guide them in career decisions. I made connections at that conference that helped to guide my post-MBA career path, and I have attended every annual conference since. The Latter-day Saint MBA Society was founded by a group of MBA students and alumni who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, with the hope of bringing together a community of business people striving to bless the world. In this podcast, you'll hear interviews with Latter-day Saint thought leaders that we hope will inspire you both in your professional and spiritual life. For more information about the Latter-day Saint MBA Society, visit latterdaysaintmba.com. And now I'll pass it over to Kurt Frankham, who will host this week's interview. Welcome back to another episode of the Latter-day Saint MBA podcast. My name is Kurt Frankham, and as always, I'll be your host. Today, we're sitting down with Spencer Millerberg. How are you, Spencer? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Now, uh, you're located, we were talking before we hit record, you're located in in South Jordan, right? Are you a, a lifelong Utah boy? Uh, you know, I grew up in South Jordan, but we've lived in five different states uh, and uh, lived in London even for uh, about six months with the family. So cool. uh, we've been all over. Nice. And I'll just ask you, we'll start some rapid fire questions. And you've been so sure. kind to send some principles over as well that we'll, we'll jump to, into. But uh, so what, what did your parents do for, for careers? Uh, my parents, my mom was a, uh, she was an elementary school teacher. She taught resource uh, for kids who needed a little bit of uh, extra assistance. She, she uh, taught resource for uh, probably about 30 some odd years. And my dad was a, a CPA. Um, uh, he uh, uh, had his own practice and, and um, helped a lot of small business people. Nice. And did either of their, their careers influence your trajectory of, of your professional life? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you can't believe the number of family home evenings that we had where we, uh, uh, we had spreadsheets with, uh, 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 that we talked about uh, how do you save money and what does, uh, what does accrued interest look like and everything like that. So, yeah, they're, uh, to say that their careers influenced my life would be an understatement. Nice. And you are the first <laughs> guest on this podcast to send me your, uh, your principles in the form of a spreadsheet. So it has a special place in your heart, it sounds like. It certainly does. <laughs> That's awesome. And then, uh, so growing up, what did you think you, were, you would end up doing for a living? Uh, it's funny. I, um, uh, when I went to school, I actually wanted to, uh, to go and be a, uh, a climbing guide. I thought oh, yeah. that I was going to wow. graduate school and I was going to go out and be a mountain guide and uh, live up on the mountains and teach people how to, how to rock climb and, and uh, uh, be, do a whole bunch of funny, other funny things like that. But, uh, you know, life has a way of, of teaching you lessons uh, very rapidly. And one of those is that rock climbing guides don't make a lot of money. So uh, you need to, <laughs> if you're going to have a family and, and provide for them, you might need a little bit more stable career than a rock climbing guide. <laughs> so, so how far did you make it in this pursuit? Oh, not very far. Hey, yeah. I really I changed it while I was still in college. That's nice. for sure. You still enjoy the rock climb? 
I, I do, except for I broke my toe I, uh, oh. a few years back, and um, I, I haven't been able to do that. So I've substituted rock climbing for mountain biking, and really enjoy that. So cool. if you're a mountain biker, come out with us every Thursday. We got a group of guys that uh, that go. Yeah. Uh, and growing up, I mean, did you serve a mission or have any other life changing spiritual experience that comes to mind? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I. Uh, I'll tell you that uh, I was I grew up in a very very much a mainstream LDS household um, where uh, we had our family home evening mostly every week and um, uh, I was taught to to serve I can't tell you the number of times that I uh, took my wagon around the uh, neighborhood to somebody's house that needed food or that uh, we were uh, shoveling walks or cutting lawns or doing everything uh, that was needed and it was uh, it was mostly my mother who was uh, really instilling those principles of service um, uh, in us that uh, you first look outwards and look to serve other people. Um, so uh, then I served a mission in Porto Alegre, Brazil. Um, uh, I was uh, uh, on the border of Uruguay and Uruguayana. I, I still can have to say, acostado com. It, is, it automatically turns to Portuguese as soon yeah. as you talk about that. Yeah. But yeah, I was in Brazil from 97 to 99. Um, wonderful, to, uh, wonderful, wonderful experience. Learned to love the uh, uh, the Brazilian people and uh, even learned to love soccer, which I, I, <laughs> I am terrible, terrible at. So. Nice, nice. Do you still use your Portuguese in your professional life at all? Uh, I use Spanish a whole lot more actually. Oh, really? yeah. yeah. When I came home, uh, I took a couple of college courses in Spanish and, uh, Portuguese. Um, a lot of people say that, um, the, if you speak Portuguese, you can understand Spanish, but not vice versa. And, uh, it, uh, uh it, it is a little bit true that, um, but I came home and I, I took some Spanish classes and I use Spanish all the time now. Not least of all of which uh, is to teach my children um, Spanish in high school now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. You help me with some homework, huh? Yeah, exactly. I have, uh, you talk about spiritual experiences. I, I, I don't think there's any more spiritual experience than driving with 15 year olds with their uh, permits. That's the time that you really start to know where you stand with the Lord. <laughs> nice. And how many times have you had to do that? Oh, I have twins who are 15 years old. Oh, nice. And so. Wow. We are constantly on the road. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. That's awesome. Yeah. There's uh, nothing quite the same as having a, almost dying and then having your 15 uh, year old daughter turn to you and say, Dad, just chill out, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And then what about you? You mentioned before we hit record that your uh, undergrad journey through college was uh, all over the place. Uh, tell us about that. Uh, sure. So it took me a little bit of time to, uh, to kind of figure out where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. Um, uh-huh. I started at the University of Utah. Um, and uh, before my mission, um, uh, I started just doing some generals and uh, came back and uh, uh, went into... Uh, really, I started doing uh, chemistry, and I realized really quickly that uh, I'm not very good at chemistry. As I got a C in chemistry class, uh, <laughs> then I came back and uh, went into business. Uh, and it, you know, one of the many blessings of a mission is it taught me how to study, and um, my grades were able to improve. I was able to focus in, and I really found that I had an affinity towards building things and building businesses and figuring out how to. Uh, how to make things work and how to how to make things function and um, uh, but I missed a little bit of the social 
uh, experiences. University of Utah is a bit more of a commuter school. And so I transferred up to Utah State and uh, really loved the social aspect there. But um, then I, uh, I met a girl that was uh, uh, going to BYU and transferred to BYU and uh, ended up uh, finishing my undergraduate degree at BYU in finance. Nice. And yeah. is, that, is that the girl you ended up marrying? It is. Yep. Oh, good. Ended, yeah. Thank goodness. Wise uh, investment, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah. Otherwise the story would have been really awkward. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then, uh, where did you do MBA school? Uh, I w- went back to BYU. So, um, between, um, undergrad and, uh, grad school, I worked, uh, down in Houston, Texas. Um, I was in the glorious sulfur trading industry, um, and, uh, running logistics there. And, uh, amazingly enough, I didn't want to do sulfur trading my entire career. Uh, so I decided to come back and do an MBA. Um, and, uh, I initially started in finance and I remember, really clearly i was interviewing with ford motor company and uh i asked the uh, after you do the interview they oftentimes say well you know, do you have any questions and i said well tell me about a day in the life of and he started to, to describe what he was doing every day day in and day out at ford motor company and i got this pit in my stomach that said i cannot do this my entire career mm-hmm. and i went back and changed my um emphasis to marketing at that point they didn't have entrepreneurship but i changed it to marketing with a uh, uh um and then took a bunch of entrepreneurship classes and um i was so much more happy. I remember just feeling so much more at peace with the decision. Um, uh, until that is that I, I couldn't find a job for a little while, but, uh, uh, pretty soon I, uh, even that was resolved, but yeah, yeah it, it was, it was really a, an experience where I think that the Lord guided me into a, a path that I needed to be. That's cool. And uh, you mentioned a little bit about your family, but maybe just describe your, your family situation and, and sure. those involved at this point. Yeah, so um, uh, my wife and I, uh, we have uh, five children. Um, uh, we have twins who are 15. We have a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old. So four kids in four years. And then we had a big uh, five-year gap, and we have a trailer who's in first grade now, okay. uh, a little six-year-old. Um, we uh, spend a ton of time outdoors. You can usually find us on either a bike or a boat and, uh, during the summer. And uh, then uh, we spend a lot of time uh, outdoors in the fall as well. So we really enjoy, really, really enjoy being together. Nice. And then uh, describe your current uh, title and company that, uh, that you work for or run. Yeah, sure. Uh, from a career perspective, um, so I, I told you I started out in logistics, um, uh, running sulfur for the oil industry. Then I went back and did an MBA. Um, I went to work for Walmart directly out of uh, business school. Um, and uh, I did a whole bunch of different things for Walmart, uh, uh, mostly in the marketing and merchandising areas. I um, started a, one of the private brands they have there. It's now the third largest private brand. Uh, it's called MarketSide. It uh, takes into account all of their fresh and deli brands. Hmm. Um, uh, I think they do about $1.8 billion of sales in that brand. It's, wow. it's just massive. It's right behind wow. Equate and Great Value. And then market sites, the third largest. And uh, I was actually um, at Walmart when um, I went on a, a, a visit. I was in St. Louis and I saw some of the inefficiencies that were occurring within brick and mortar. And um, about that time, I, I saw also this uh, increase that uh, e commerce had. And uh, I went home and that night in the hotel, I applied for a job at Amazon and um, uh, went up to Seattle, Washington 
and I ran uh, health and personal care for uh, Amazon. So everything from uh, diapers and laundry detergent, and uh, I had uh, uh, a whole variety of everything that uh, everything disgusting that came out of your body. I took care of. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, someone's got to do it, you know. <laughs> somebody's got to do it. No, it was really a great job. Um, and uh, I had Amazon family. Uh, I had diapers and wipes. And uh, funny, funny thing, uh, BYU was the only school in the nation where Amazon family overlapped with Amazon student with about a, a 60 to 70% overlap oh, ratio. <laughs> <laughs> and is that something you just noticed or they approach you about it with your... <laughs> no, I just noticed it in the data. Uh, there were just... There's two times in your life that uh, that your shopping behavior changes dramatically. Yeah. One is when you uh, become a student and you have to buy things on your own. And one is when you become a family. Yeah. And uh, at Amazon, uh, we so I started over taking a look at that data and uh, BYU was the only school in the nation where you had that overlap with dramatic, <laughs> dramatic overlap between the students and the parents at the same time. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. Love that. Um, and you mentioned, uh, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit with some of your principles here, but uh, you mentioned that Davis Smith, who's we've interviewed before and also sure. uh, one of the founders of, of the society here, that he had quite an impact on you in the uh, in leaving that opportunity and, and starting your own uh, opportunity. Yeah, it's interesting. So I was up at Amazon um, running uh, the, uh, the health and personal care, and he was um, running baby.com Brazil. And um, he came up and um, uh, he was talking to Amazon about different various things with his company. And um, he came over to our house and I told him about a business idea that I had um, because when I was at Walmart, people would come in with this massive amount of information and they'd, they'd uh, use this data in order to make better decisions and to sell me as a buyer, to give them more shelf space or to uh, give them better promotional space or whatever the case may be. And they would come in at Amazon and they just didn't have any of that information. Um, they would literally lean across the table to me and say, hey, am I number one, number two in the market? Or I grew 70% last year. Is, is that good or is that bad? Because... It, Amazon was growing at such a massive rate and they had no data to do that. Wow. And uh, I described to him uh, some, of my, uh, some of my thoughts on how I was going to start this business. And, he's like, and he said, why? Why not? What are you waiting for? Like, uh, what, are you, what are you waiting to do? And um, between him and my wife, my wife said to me, she said, you're extremely hireable. If this doesn't work out, we have a safety cushion and in a year's time, let's go back and you'll get a job. And uh, between those two pieces of advice and, and the idea that was there, it was, it was really the push that I needed to go out and start a business. And so uh, we went out and uh, we started a business called One Click Retail. Um, we ended up taking care of about 650 of the world's largest manufacturers. So uh, people like Procter & Gamble and Sony, Panasonic, uh, HP, Kellogg, all of those were our clients. Pretty much uh, any recognizable brand that you can think of, we would take care of uh, measuring their sales, their competitor sales, uh, their promotions, uh, their pricing, their in-stocks, all the different metrics that were necessary to help them sell better on Amazon. Um, 
and uh, ran that business for uh, about three, four years. And then we sold it to a publicly listed company out of um, London. They're on the, on the uh, London Stock Exchange called Essential. And uh, uh, I've been exited from that for about two or three years. And now I'm working on a couple of new things. Super secret, you know, can't tell, yeah. can't tell you about those yet. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, I look forward to, to seeing your success and obviously uh, it'll be a dynamic approach, whatever it is. So that's awesome. Um, well, let's jump into uh, some of your principles here. And it's, I, I just have to like explain this, this uh, spreadsheet <laughs> to people. This is fantastic. I'm thinking, why don't I send all the guests uh, like a blank spreadsheet like this? Because you have your principle in one column. And then the next one is a description of that principle. And then the gospel tie-in. And then story one, story two, et cetera. So this is great because I'm always hoping that our guests here will have a great story to go along with these, right? Rather than just, you know, reading off these uh, these principles, but there should be an application of the story behind it. So I'm I'm inspired, Spencer, by this <laughs> by this spreadsheet. So uh, you're kind. I only speak spreadsheet. I, I can't. I can good. only think in spreadsheet. We'll, we'll go to uh, column B, row four, which is your first principle, titled <laughs> "Be Famous for Something." Tell us about that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, be famous for something. It, uh, it could also be like, uh, avoid your weaknesses or play to your strengths is another way to say it. Um, uh, let me start out by saying it this way. I am five, six. I am, uh, I've never been good at ball sports ever, not in my <laughs> entire life. And, uh, you think I'm just saying that, but I was so bad at baseball when I was a kid, um, that, my, but my dad was the treasurer for the baseball uh, league that was there, and I had to be there at the diamond. And so he um, started putting me on Lotus One Two Three, which is the predecessor to Microsoft Excel, uh-huh. and having me take care of Snack Shack receipts um, because I was so bad at baseball. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it became something uh, of a love for me. It just made sense in my mind. Um, and it became a superpower that I, I really developed as I went, um, that I could, uh, analyze data and I could make sense of things in a very fast fashion. Um, and it, it helped me all the way throughout my career. Uh, it helped me when I was, uh, when I was, uh, in college, uh, people would, uh, we actually, uh, they would come up and they'd ask me for help. Um, uh, when I was in my career, like analytics seriously drove most of my career. I told you about launching market size, one of those brands. It was powered specifically because we ran all of the analytics to determine which products were selling best nationwide and which ones we were missing at Walmart and which things we should sell. And, uh, you know, I told you I started a business based upon analytics and, I think the principle of just being famous for something is so important. There's just so many times when you think about like, oh, I wish I was better like this other person at something. But I will never be a basketball star. At 5'6", there's no way that I'm ever going to be an amazing basketball star. But there are things that I can be good at that I'm going to be famous for. And when you play to those strengths, as a student, you... you are going, you think that these are just things that everybody has, not realizing that those are really oftentimes unique skills that you can uh, bring to the table. And the more that you work on those skills and get better and better and better, the more that people around you are going to recognize them and that they're going to come to you for that. Hmm. Uh, for those skills, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So uh, was this was this hard for you to find uh, along your along your path or these skills? <laughs> You know, 
it's it's not that it was hard to find as much as it was it was hard to realize that it was unique mm. right um you just think that everybody uh, everybody thinks like you that they they see things in the same way that you do um and it's not until you start getting into group settings into uh whether those are at school or at work or in social settings or whatever the case may be that you don't realize people don't see the same connections that you do um they don't uh think in the same way that you do and it can go vice versa i think that's why diverse teams are so incredibly important um that you need to have different perspectives and uh, people coming from different backgrounds coming on your team because they're going to bring all those diversity of thought and going to bring things that you would never bring to the table. Mm. And so you really have to have the thing that you're famous for. And then as you, as you grow within an organization and within leadership roles, you have to start to create teams that don't necessarily have that same thing that everybody is famous for, but yeah. that each one can bring overlapping skills that you can um, start to work together to build up something that's really amazing. Yeah, that's such a great point because oftentimes I've done more and more consulting work and I sometimes walk into a business or meet with somebody and I'm just thinking, I can't believe I'm pay- I'm you know charging them for this because it's so obvious to me, you know, and I'll say something yeah. that's like, and in my mind I'm thinking, well, you probably already saw that and they're thinking, wow, that's, that's a deep insight. I'm like, oh, maybe I have a skill or perspective here that uh, yeah. is actually valuable, right? Yeah, it's totally unique. It's something that uh, that so many people just don't see. Uh, I remember when we were starting OneClick, uh, we uh, we started this out, and it was we were the first people in the industry to uh, to have market share for Amazon. And then people would come in and they would ask us, "Well, I see that I gained market share. I see that I lost my market share." And their next question, obviously, was, "Why? What are we doing?" Yeah. And um, we would be able to very quickly dive into the data and tell them a story that was related to that. And um, we were just giving this data right to begin with and doing it on a one-off basis um, to start with. And it wasn't until we realized that most of the people coming to us, even people with business and e-commerce backgrounds, they weren't seeing these insights immediately that we realized, oh, we need to functionally create a product out of this. Mm. Um, and uh, I think that that's where, uh, that's where your success can come into play. When you're really good at something and it's something that you love to do and it's something that's valuable to other people. If you can find those three things and you can put them together, that's where I think true success within a career is going to come from. Uh, when you're missing one of those three, uh, something's going to be lacking. Yeah, that makes sense. So what would you say maybe to a, a student or somebody young in their career who's just like, Spencer, I get what you're saying, but I don't know what it is I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's, uh, it's a good question. I think what I'd probably say is, first of all, look at the things that you love. When uh, And everybody loves TV and uh, video games. That's not <laughs> what I'm talking about here. But what I'm talking about is... Um, if you are in a class project or in a situation where you need to uh, solve a problem, what is the hip pocket skill that you go to on a day in and day out basis? What are you really, really comfortable with? Um, and most of the time, what happens is you are going to find that those are some skills that you really are, uh, that you really understand and do well at. So then 
beyond that, you're going to say, uh, you're going to find that um, you have to develop those skills. It's like anything else. Nothing is easy until you, uh, uh, you don't love it until you're good at it. And you're not good at it until you practice. Yeah. Right. And so um, even though you have this hip pocket skill that you're going to go to, you're oftentimes going to have to develop that further. So I started out loving Lotus one, two, three, and figuring out some functions and different things like that uh, when I was, uh, you know, a 10 year old boy. But, uh, as you advance and grow, like somebody taught me SPSS and statistical programs, and I took different classes and you start building upon those skills. If you're truly going to be famous for something, find what you love and then start building upon those skills. And I think that, um, I think that, uh, that's probably the easiest way to figure out what you can be famous for. Love it. Love that. Um, let's go to uh, anything else as far as this uh, be famous for something. Do we hit all the uh, all the uh, spreadsheet uh, squares here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think so. I think that um, if you were thinking about a gospel story that's associated with it, though, you see this again and again and again throughout the gospel. I think my favorite one is when David fought Goliath, right? Mm, we heard yeah. about it in conference just this, yeah. uh, this last conference. They talked about how David had the strength uh, and the confidence to go in and fight Goliath because he's like, oh yeah, I've already taken care of bears and lions. But this guy, he's no big deal. And that's what you need as you progress through the career is you need to have that confidence that you build early on through all of these other successful moments that you've had building some of these skill sets so that you've already conquered your bears and lions in class or in uh, early on in a career. And then as you do that, you're going to move forward and you're going to be able to conquer Goliaths because you already have those skill sets really honed and ready to go. Yeah, I love that. Perfect. All right. The next principle is uh, create to be great. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, this is uh, vulnerability moments here, right? I love like, it. I remember um, I came out, uh, or I, I was in my internship, and I interned with Black and Decker DeWalt, and I remember sitting down at my desk and saying, okay, what do you want me to do? And not realizing that when you transition, oftentimes that MBA becomes a very much a transitional moment. When you're going from a manager who they just give you stuff and you have to manage this work to a director or a VP or some of these titles that are there. But really what they're trying to tell you is, I don't know what we need to do next. Hmm. I need you to figure it out. I need you to create it. I need you to figure out, uh, figure out something that doesn't exist yet. Right. And, uh, I, that was really a moment for me, uh, back at black and Decker where I was like, Holy cow. Like this is a transition where I'm the one who has to create these moments. And I, I think that oftentimes within our school systems or within our, um, the, the places where we are, we we're told, Hey, sit there. I'm going to teach you how to do this principle. And then after I teach you how to do this principle, I'm, then you need to follow step by step by step. But instead we don't necessarily have the training that says, I'm going to go figure this out. It's not a scientific mode of, I'm going to try this and it did work or it didn't work. And uh, if it didn't work, how am I going to make it work, right? Um, there's so many times in, in a job when they give you direction and that direction didn't work. You can't end there as an MBA. You have to start figuring out, 
how are you going to make it work? That's your new job is how do you create something, not just how do you take, uh, take a job and manage it anymore yeah. in a linear progression. Any advice to maybe students that are in their undergrad or in MBA school? I, I mean, obviously this principle can yeah. be applied there, but it's easy to sort of just get in that state of mind of like, okay, what's on the test or what are you looking for in this paper? And I'll just do that. Uh-huh. Uh, but any advice for students? You know, as a student, um, so many times uh, you're given uh, you're given multiple choice questions, and you're you're uh, in a situation, and you're saying, "I just need to get the best grade out of this piece." But instead, when you're in the MBA program, uh, as this is the MBA podcast, what I would what I would encourage you to do is think about how do I get the learning out of this? What am I supposed to be learning from this? Mm-hmm. If you approach it more as a scientist mode of I'm, I'm going to experiment, I'm going to use this MBA program as an experimental time period in order to test things out and try things and figure out different ways to approach things, whether that's uh, I'm going to approach my presentation in this different way. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to write a paper using uh, a different type of a data set, or uh, I'm, I'm going to approach it in just a fundamentally different way. I think that uh, you're going to be more successful um, than if you just take what's given to you and regurgitate it back out. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else we've missed as far as this concept of create to be great? You know, um, so uh, it was Dieter, this guy named Dieter. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, <laughs> I don't know too many Dieters, but I do yeah, know one. Yeah. You know, this one was probably <laughs> yeah. the same guy. Uh, he said that the greatest uh, desire of the human soul is to create. Um, and I think that that's really true. And as we're looking at careers and where we want to go and what we want to do, um, we have different hurdles that we're going to go through um, during our career. I remember, um, but we have to, first of all, look for where it is that we're going to be able to create. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when I was back at uh, Walmart, I was doing store openings and Um, the job was, I want you to personally manage each set of creative, um, marketing application for each of these stores. And, uh, I, of course, (laughs) went back to my analytics background and, uh, and I created a whole new system that was in place that had, uh, 16 types of creative and we could, uh, we could go back and pencil it up against the different demographics and it would automatically select the different types of creative. And so I basically worked myself out of a job. Because, uh, because I created a system that would automatically uh, insert the type of creative that would be needed for the individualized store openings nationwide. And uh, it, it, was super success- it was super successful and super fulfilling. When I went to Amazon, they gave me chances to create new businesses and uh, full new programs, you know, ways of working and automating. Those were the times when I look at my career and I think that I was the most fulfilled is when I was actually creating. And obviously, when I was creating new businesses as well. So I would look for, in your career, chances to create not just go to work and, and make money, but to create and be really successful in those things. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned that word a few times, fulfilling, right? That uh, as we create, that's just in our nature. I mean, we are children of a great creator. And so as we, yeah. you know, take on that role as a creator in, in the professional lives, personal lives, wherever, we're going to feel fulfilled, right? I remember when um, it was about 
uh, about a year and a half, two years after we started One Click Retail, we were on this retreat and uh, we had taken everybody down to St. George and all of their families had come and all of these spouses would come up and they'd say, oh, thank you for the job. Oh, we can now afford a new house or we bought a new car or, you know, Johnny's in piano lessons or soccer or so forth. And it's just because of this, um, because of this new job. And I actually started having a panic attack because um, mm-hmm. I was, I was saying all these people are counting on me. Like what happens if I, if I can't figure out how to lead this company in the right way, uh, if I can't do what's needed here. And, uh, uh, my wife, uh, she said to me, she's like, wait a minute, just hold on. None of these jobs existed two years ago, none of them. (laughs) And so because you were able to create these jobs, yes, they're able to buy a house and a car and all these other things, but you created this, right? Like this is part of the things that you created. Um, and you talk about fulfilling, that's where it moved from being panic attack to something that was really fulfilling when mm-hmm. I could start looking at all the benefits that it was giving to everybody. Yeah. The, the, looking at it as something you created rather than something that you could potentially destroy. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the next principle is uh, run to, not from. Yeah. Um, run to, not from. So uh, um, what I'd say, um, I do a ton of mentoring with different, um, uh, different students and entrepreneurs. And um, oftentimes people come to me and they say, oh, I'm so unhappy in my job. I, I really got to get out of my job. And um, my, uh, well, can you help me get out of my job? And I think that that might be the wrong question to ask. Instead is, what do you want to do? Um, where do you want to go? Uh, that's in there. Um, uh, I love in Gordon B. Hinckley's book. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read Sherry Dew's biography yeah, of Gordon B. Great. Hinckley. It's great, right? Yeah. Like he keeps on saying, um, "I'm going to go work for the railroad," and then the church calls him in. He's like, uh, "Could you do the missionary stuff for me? I need all the missionary discussions redone." And he's yeah. like, "Okay," but then I'm going to go work for the railroad. And uh, then he, the church calls him back and he's like, "Oh, can you redo all of our Sunday school curriculum?" He's like, "Yes," but then I'm going to go work for the railroad. Um, and he's running to something the entire book, and it's he's going to go work for the railroad. Now he never ended up going to work for the railroad, but all the way along the way, he was developing these skills in order to go work for the railroad. And he was working on his PR skills and his communication skills because he wanted to go and do communications for the railroad. And you think about him as a prophet and how many amazing things he was able to accomplish. I don't know that he could have done all of that, without having the skills that he developed because he's going to go work for the railroad. And I love the uh, Proverbs 3 and Isaiah 55, how those two things meld together. Proverbs 3 says, you know, trust in the Lord and all thy doings and he, um, he will direct thy paths. And Isaiah 55 says that God's ways are high. And it's telling us as these two things meld together, that God will direct our paths to something that is different and greater than we ever thought of, that we have to trust in Him in order to do that. And so when we're thinking about what we want to do with a career, like first of all, what are we going to run to? What do we want to do? And God can move us. Uh, so I think He's a lot easier to use a, a, a bridle than He is uh, spurs to get us going. <laughs> yeah. um, And as long as we're moving towards something, he can guide us just like he did with uh, Gordon B. Hinckley uh, with his path. And he said, no, I I know you want to go work for the railroad, but I need your skills here. Uh, 
I saw that again and again um, in my career. I saw it when I went to work for Walmart. Uh, I didn't think I was going to go work for Walmart, um, but uh, I interviewed with uh, a guy named Greg Chandler, and um, uh, <laughs> he's a state president out there in Bentonville now. Um, the man has uh, directed my paths. He really helped me see things in a different way. Um, and so I went to work for Walmart. Um, and I didn't think I was going to go work for Amazon, but uh, but that there was really a light that told me, okay, e-commerce is going to be the thing that's going to be next. Go there. And all of those things really were preparatory to help me start this company. Because without this, I had to go in to Procter & Gamble. I, I trained A.G. Lefley, the CMO of, of Procter & Gamble and, his, uh, and CEO of Procter & Gamble and all his direct reports. Hmm. And I had to be able to speak brick and mortar. I had to be able to speak uh, e-commerce and I had to be able to speak manufacturer uh, talk. And so I needed those different backgrounds in order to start this company and to do these things. And uh, I wasn't planning on that. I really just wanted to get back West and get to a place where I could have my kids know their grandparents, but the Lord directed the path and to where I could have the different skill sets that were necessary in order to build this company. So my advice to these MBA, uh, to a new, new formed MBAs or MBAs for who are 20 years out are, what do you want to do? What are you going to run to? Not what are you running away from? Yeah, man, that's inspiring. And I just think of, you know, sometimes, especially maybe right after uh, you graduate with the MBA, you're maybe stuck in a job where you think, I don't see myself here for a long time and I just feel lost and why aren't opportunities coming my way? I thought that's what the MBA would create for me. But in those in those places, you can begin to, re- or you can realize you can build skills here that are going to impact your career decades in the future that you would, would have never anticipated would help you so much, but, but by building them currently in your in your current position. Yeah, it's exactly right. I, I, I talked about getting back west, but um, I remember, uh, I remember, I was, I was at Walmart, and I had a couple of friends who had left, and they'd started companies. And I remember praying and thinking, Heavenly Father, when am I going to have my shot? I, I, I want my shot. I need to. I want to be able to start something, and I want to be able to do something on my own. I want my shot, and. Um, uh, then I got a job at Amazon and I, I kind of felt a little bit disappointed. I thought, mm. Oh, uh, my heavenly father didn't listen to me. He, he, or maybe my desires weren't aligned or something wasn't there. And I didn't realize that he was just preparing me for the next step. Uh, I was working at Amazon, gaining the skills that I needed in order to start the company without doing that. There was no way I could have been successful. Yeah. And uh, it's true. You just have to make sure that you're you're going towards something great and letting the Lord direct your paths uh, during that time, so it can be that higher path as we trust in Him. Uh, the next principle is uh, work to have sufficient for your needs. Yeah, work to have sufficient for your needs. Uh, well, um, <laughs> okay, story time here. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, in a church setting a few years ago, and um, I heard the phrase, um, uh, sufficient for my needs. Uh We have sufficient for our needs. And it really made me stop cold. Um, It made me me really think, uh, if I made more money this year, would anything in my life change? Uh, I mean, maybe I'd have some more toys or a nicer bike or 
something like that. But really, it made me stop and realize that I had sufficient for my needs. And um, uh, it made me reflect that uh, as an MBA, most of the time we're going to get a job that we're going to make enough to have sufficient for our needs. Um, And uh, that because of that, the goal has to change fundamentally. Um, my entire career, I've been chasing after that, uh, that money uh, goal. It's like, if you make more money, that means you must be more successful and you must be doing things better. Um, but as uh, this realization came to me, I said, well, if I have sufficient for my needs, what else can I do in addition to that? And I can be a much better father. I can be uh, a much uh, better member of the church. I can fulfill my callings better. I can, uh, I can start to have uh, a different outward focus because I'm not focused on just making money. But it was really a change in my mind that I had to have to say, I'm not looking at making more money, more money, more money. I'm really looking at having sufficient so that I can then start looking at other goals Mm. Uh, to go and do more things and to to be a better person and to 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 do more in the Lord's kingdom. Yeah, I love that because it really gives you a framework that because it kind of can go wild, right? If you're just thinking, well, I got to make you know fifteen percent more than last year and fifty percent year after that and so forth, and then you don't even know why you're making more money, right? Yeah, I I mean, there's always going to be somebody with more. It doesn't yeah. matter where you go, <laughs> unless you unless you're Jeff Bezos. You know, there's yeah. always going to be somebody who has. Well, he has, he's got Elon Musk on his tail, so you know, there's always somebody. <laughs> <laughs> See, even Jeff Bezos, he's in trouble. Uh, but no, it. You know, I think about um, I think about the scripture that it talks about men are that they might have joy. Yeah, and it doesn't say men are that they might have money. Uh, it's men are that they might have joy. And, uh, I think that money can bring fun. It can bring a lot of toys, but those things become fleeting. Um, and as you go through a career, the question is, is are you really seeking joy or are you seeking fun? Uh, because more money brings more fun, but joy comes from a very, very different uh, perspective on life. And yeah. as you think about, do I have sufficient for my needs? That's a powerful phrase that you have there. Now, in addition to that, I think that there's a second phrase that um, that you have uh, that uh, comes from a very similar church setting, where it's um, by the sweat of your brow all the days of your life. Because hmm. I think that our heavenly Father has asked us to to work all the days of our life, not until we have enough, not until um, we have uh, two houses or, uh, or five cars or whatever the case may be. But he says, by the sweat of your brow, all the days of your life. And, you know, uh, we sold our company and we had sufficient for our needs that we had there. And there was an opportunity to sit on my butt and not do a whole lot for, for uh, a little while. But I, I got to tell you, those were some of the dark days where I didn't feel like I had a purpose. Um, I, I didn't know what I was working towards and I had to go and figure out what that purpose was. And, um, 
uh, as I started to re-engage and find different things that gave me a lot more purpose, uh, I'm working on uh, I'm building mountain bike trails on the western side of, U- uh, of the uh, Salt Lake Valley, and um, I'm starting a different company that's uh, focused on different needs um, that we have there. And I'm helping a bunch of entrepreneurs who um, may not have had success in the past, but maybe with our guidance, we can, uh, I can help them be successful uh, coming up in the future. And I can give them that hope and confidence that's there. And uh, that work that I can work by the sweat of my brow all the days of my life, I think that that's a true gospel principle too, that we think that we don't often talk about that. We don't often think about is that we need to work all the days of our life. Yeah. Yeah. That's inspiring. Love it. Awesome. Well, let's go to a bonus uh, principle here. You sent me, which is set your anchors early. Bonus time, huh? Okay. That's great. right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, set your anchors early. I think, um, uh, so, uh, let me talk about it this way. Um, when I was, um, we were opening up Europe and, um, uh, I had to be gone for 27 days straight. Uh, I was leaving and I was gone for 27 days straight. And, um, I, I looked around and I, there really wasn't anybody else in the company who was uh, ready to do it yet. It was a new company. It was super young, uh, super young managers. I had enough uh, people here that would manage work at home, um, or the work here on the domestic front. But as we opened up Europe, I needed to be the guy that do that. Um, so 27 days straight, you think about all the strain that that's going to cause. And you think about family, you think about uh, your church work, you think about um, the, the work that you have at home, like all of those different pieces. Uh, I was really grateful that I had spent extra time making sure to build up my managers domestically. I was grateful that I had a really good relationship with my wife and I was grateful that I had chosen really good counselors in my young men's presidency that could take care of those things there. And those anchors had already been set uh, Mm -hmm. in place to allow me to go and do these other pieces for those 27 days straight to make things happen. And uh, as I think about, uh, as I think about like what that takes is we have to back up even more and you say, what are the habits that you can start to establish when you're newly married uh, to create a strong foundation for your, for you and your spouse? Or what are you doing uh, from your spiritual pr- progress early on? Uh, are you making sure that you're reading your scriptures? Are you making sure that you're, uh, that you're doing your home teaching? Um, and uh, you can't call them home teaching anymore. I have to call it ministering. Uh, <laughs> uh, are you making sure that you have all those foundations set so that when the storms come, um, that you can take the time that you need and you might be absent for a little while, but those foundations are already there. So I, I, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a really, really important principle. Yeah. Love that. Uh, any other thought or principle that's come to mind that we haven't, uh, uh, made time for yet that before we wrap up? No, I, I think the only one other thing on set your anchors early, um, uh, I told you I worked for Black and Deckard Walt. Um, yeah. uh, Nolan Archibald was the CEO there, and uh, we had a chance uh, as BYU MBAs to go in and interview him and, and talk to him. And uh, and uh, it wasn't me; I wish it was me, but somebody else asked him about how he knew that his life was in balance. And he said, "Well, I look at it this way: I look at my family, I look at my work, and I look at my church work because he was stake president in addition to being CEO of Black and Decker." Oh, wow. And 
he said, I look at all three of them, and if I feel guilty about my church work, and if I feel guilty about my family, and if I feel guilty about my work, uh, my uh, professional work, then I know I'm in balance. Because, but if I don't feel guilty about one of the three, then I know I'm out of balance. <laughs> but I love that principle of you are always going to have more to do than you have time. Yeah. Just make sure that you feel equally guilty about all three things. Uh, that's so true. Yeah, I often refer to it as the the calling monster. That if you know if, if you want to uh, be a stake president or a bishop or a young men's president forty hours a week, like there's probably something that that calling will offer you to do. But you really have to yeah. know yourself. And I love that measuring stick of guilt. You know, that should be well balanced of uh, feeling of guilt. That's awesome. Well, Spencer, this has been uh, fantastic. I've been inspired and I'm excited to share this with the the listening audience. Um, the last question I have for you is, uh, if you're in front of a room full of MBA students, uh, you know, young professionals, what final advice would you give to them? Or what encouragement would you give to them? Um, yeah, I think the advice that I'd give them is actually uh, coming from uh, the Amazon founder. When he was uh, deciding whether to start Amazon or not, uh, he had a job that was making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year working on Wall Street. And uh, his uh, he was considering opening up a bookstore online, which at that time was something that nobody would ever heard of or, or thought could be successful. Um, but it was a regret minimization matrix that... Uh, came to that he put together mm-hmm. said when i get through with my career what will i have more regrets for will it be regrets that i gave up a job that was making a couple hundred thousand dollars or was it that i never went out and started that business and so he made a decision based upon how he could minimize regrets and as we think about that in a gospel setting i'd say that the advice is extremely solid that we should go forward and try to do things that will minimize our regrets, but also making sure that we uh, seek the Lord's advice as we go through there. Uh, you know, we talked about create to be great, and uh, but that, that lo- the Lord is going to guide our paths as we go through those things. And I, I couldn't agree with that more. Thank you for listening to the Latter-day Saint MBA podcast. Check out the show notes for more information about our guests and visit latterdaysaintmba.com to find details about the Latter-day Saint MBA Society.